Okay. So, I don't know how to start this. I've never, I don't rarely do interviews. But I actually feel like it's appreciated when it's candid. That's good. Right? I mean, this is a talk we would have just <laughs> by ourselves and no mic anyway. That's probably true. All right. So, I'm John. Over here is Tommy. And then we got Noah. These two are guys I've known since like 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's when I came off the trail, speaking of Delanco, for the first time. Yeah. Manifest. I still have the t-shirt actually hanging so do I. I probably have it somewhere. It's so dirty. <laughs> oh, man. Because then I wore it for like three months straight after that because I was like, I need a new t-shirt. Anyways, uh, we've caught up randomly every couple months since then. Sometimes at Delanco, sometimes elsewhere. Yeah. And I don't know. What kind of conversations do we have? I usually just, the collection of those months that I have a question for you, I, then I just barrel them out. And then you kind of, and, and then it's the conversations you think about for the next like two months until we see you again. We're like, oh, yeah. John said X, Y, Z. Oh, oh, you on for a while. I, uh, no, and then your brother does it too. Yeah. Like he'll just like drop off the scene for a little bit. Hi, Josh. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then come back and like have like, oh, did you check out this book? Did you read this? Check that out. Da, 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 da. But it, I feel like, uh, you guys are kind of. You break the norm, right? Because so many people think people are in their 20s or younger are walking away from faith yeah. in church. But you said earlier, Tommy, that uh, even though we don't go to church often, we actually still talk about this stuff pretty often. It's yeah. like, it's, So what's the deal with that? I don't know. I just feel like we just go through like our day-to-day life like... Thing because we've we both we both have said like Christianity is always going to be a part of us no matter how yeah. far away we stray, um, and we just feel like we'll go through our day to day life. Yes, please, and we have like yo like did you see this? Like I was feeling this sort of way one day, uh, or I was playing drums in church and they said this, and that is like the last thing that's. And it's like does that seem said. funny to you too? Right. Yeah, like these are Lacroix. Yeah. <laughs> These are seltzers. Okay. We got the plug. Mm. I think also we grew up together at this, you know, we're two months apart in age. And we grew up together being really close friends and yeah. in the exact same church together. Yeah. So we know and we dealt with the... We had a lot of the same influences then. Yeah. yeah, all, yeah, the, yeah. all the way through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. Sunday school teachers? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Sometimes together in Sunday school. And like, yeah. I think... So I think that kind of thing... And, and then we also, at this same point in time started getting to a point where we were like I think I'm ready to maybe not go to church all the time now that I'm sort of like now that I'm driving to church and I'm not going to my parents and stuff like that and I think it the thing that kind of when I started really started realizing was like the only other person who knows exactly how I'm feeling is Noah because we just live such similar lives in the sense of yeah go to church I mean the only I think maybe big difference between us would be that I went to a public school where he went to private school Kings no but I know people that went to Kings okay yeah. So, whereas, like, we we both did go to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and then Wednesday Bible study, um, and on top of that, we, you know, obviously very religious families, um, he was going to chapel every day. Yeah, I remember, ta- I remember yeah, yeah, meeting yeah. up with you and being like, dude, that's too much for me. Like, I have, ch- <laughs> I have chapel three times a week, I have Bible yeah. class three times a week, I have right. church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
yeah. Bible study Wednesday night. It was it was like over. What way did over I tell man. you then? I was like, I think you have enough Bible. Yeah, yeah. that's what you said. Yeah. You were like, I, you were like, I think you have enough for like a whole church worth, of, like a whole yeah. church's <laughs> worth of people. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and that's where I, I was. I was glad that I was in the public school system. Yeah, well, it's like um, you could say it's well intentioned, right? Yeah. Maybe execution's a little lacking. Yeah, because like just you're not more holy because you go to more Bible studies. Right, yeah. yeah. You're more holy because maybe, like, you've taken time to help heal yourself and heal yeah. other people. Like, you know, holiness should never be a performance thing that you can check off on an attendance list. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what's going on and there? And that's the thing, like, when I... Why is I, holiness attached to attendance? I do remember asking my parents if I could stop going to Bible study, Wednesday night Bible studies, because I was like, and I said, like, I have this, this, and this, like, uh-huh. I you know that I'm a part of this every week. This is what I have to do. And Wednesday night Bible study is like the last thing I want to do on Wednesday night. And so, and they were like, yeah, you can stop going to that. But I remember at that point sort of just being like, do they realize like how much credit I've built up? (laughs) (laughs) How much much notoriety? Yeah. Like I, it was, it was just tough because I, I, and I remember at, in 10th grade being at the point where I told some of my friends that I didn't know if I was a Christian anymore. Uh-huh. Because I was so tired of being shoved down my throat, and there was no, there was no off season for me. You know, not even yeah. during a single day. There was no point in a day where I could be like, oh, I haven't really uh, been spoken at today. You know, that it was that was spoken part of my spoken at. That was like a part of my everyday. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, but even your wording says something about how you experienced it. It was you didn't say connected with. You said <laughs> spoken at. Yeah, there was. I mean, I mean, especially at school, there was it was it was hard to be connected with. There was like a couple teachers that I would sometimes have good conversations with. Yeah. But um. Uh, and then it was just the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, your whole life, uh, your whole social life is basically church and a Christian school, and then you go home and you're with your Christian parents, and they want to talk to you about that stuff, and they they have a yeah. sermon on while they're cooking dinner and stuff like that. So, and it was probably other than like Tommy said, other than going to public school is probably pretty similar to him too. Well, I went to public school, mm-hmm. right? So I went to Southern Regional, which is in Manahawk in New Jersey. Okay. And my family, we went to church every single week. We had youth group like every third week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? It wasn't like super often, but it was okay. like regular. But it was interesting. Like we would pray before dinner time, but my parents, they never, we never like sat down and talked about Christianity super all, yeah. the, all the time. It was more just like, it's a given yeah. that this is our framework with how we relate to yeah, the world. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it would just be as simple as like my parents would be like my mom would say, well, just pray about it and then give it to God, move on. Yeah. It's okay. Everything will be all right. And then she would say, all will be well. Right. Everything, God's got everything in control. And then my dad might say something like, yeah, we're going to go help these people over here. Why? He's like, cause it's a church thing to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, but that, that was it. I feel like my parents did this good balance of not forcing it down my throat. Yeah. But it was good for me at least to go bounce back and forth between like church world and a yeah. believing household to public school. Cause I kind of had exposure to both. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I went to Eastern for yeah. Christian college, then I was like, well, Oh, there's like a whole culture here. Yeah. yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. even know there was like Christian music until I was a freshman uh, in college. I was like, Oh my gosh. Wait, what? Yeah. Switch and, foot what? Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I am, like, at the very least, I'm glad that I'm 
was raised Christian because I think just morally, like, I know yeah. right and wrong, and going to public school, I see just how guys would treat women and just how, you know, like, the things that people would say and how just, like, personality-wise, like, just people, like, would do things. I'm like, this is just so, like, I would never think to even act like this. And um, so I'm, at the, like I said, at the very least, I think that's one thing. I'm just like, well... I know how to be a good person, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you did something good there. Is that you, you like, recognized what was good from that yeah. time? Mm-hmm. Um, what I've um, experienced is a lot of people, when they try to shuck off and, like, cast off their childhood, yeah. they throw all of it out. Okay. Never even yeah. acknowledge, but, like, but there were good things that that time yeah. taught me. Oh, yeah. So, like... That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think when you said that your parents had a really good balance, I think mine had a really good balance in a lot of ways, like in the sense that going to Christian school, I knew so many people that I was like, man, their parents are like, I don't know what I'd do. If I was <laughs> and so my parents weren't like that. But um, I guess it was the kind of thing where I there was a certain level of um, overprotectedness at certain points in my life where I felt like I... Uh, I wasn't let out of my cage at all, sort of. There was no, there was no, oh. like, okay, we're going to let you be exposed to this much. I, it was a, and it was very, like, yeah. sudden. I feel like it got to a point where once high school ended, where I was kind of like, all right, like, I'm my own person now. And it's been very recently where I've had certain conversations with them where I'm like, I, this is, like, I'm 20 years old now. This, you guys got to <laughs> sort of just trust that you raised me the way that you raised me, and, and that's yeah. going to end up well. But it's my decision whether, you know, how I handle that yeah um and so but yeah so i think there was a level of like uh, overprotectiveness at certain points Mm -hmm. and then also just the fact that like and my dad would sometimes make certain like bible references and stuff where it just didn't seem necessary where i was kind of like you're you're with only your family who you raised to go to church every sunday and you (laughs) always it was the yeah so the the one i'll keep (laughs) the story short but we were taking a, a family picture for christmas and we had the camera set on timer I think I might have told you this before. I don't know. Or maybe Keep Josh going. Did. And we had the camera on timer, and the camera slipped a little bit off of the like the stool that we had it sitting on. Yeah. And it slipped over a little bit, and uh, like Josh or Emily were, were like, oh, the camera fell. And my dad was like, just as we all will fall without Christ. And I, and I, it was that moment. That was like, li- I, there was other moments like that, but that was the moment that I could point to where I was like, He's got to he's got to lay back a little bit yeah. on this. Like he's around the, literally everybody that he's saying that to. He knows where they stand on Christianity <laughs> and what they know. He's not preaching to anybody. And yeah. even if he was, like, does he really think that's like? And a it's form not of, even like you guys were at the age where you guys could start to develop your own like opinions. I feel you guys are all kind of pretty young at that point, right? Like where this was not that long ago. Oh really? I was like a junior in high school. Oh, oh. I thought this. Yeah. You guys were you were like. Like in like fourth grade or something. Oh no no no! This was like pro- I was maybe a sophomore or a, oh, or a junior okay. in high school. So it would have been like 2016 or right. something. Yeah. yeah. So, but then what was it like having conversations where you said, "I think I'm not a Christian anymore." Well, because I was there in 2015. Oh, I think you told me about that. Yeah. Where so, you kind of just woke up. I just like well, I was in Pennsylvania. I was like hiking through the cornfields. Mm-hmm. I woke up that morning. I'm like, I don't believe any of this. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And then I actually, like, made a commitment that morning. I was like, I just need to follow the truth wherever it leads me. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea where it leads me. Yeah. And so then I walked in silence until sunset where I set up my next camp. 
And for some, I don't know, I can't explain it. There's nothing to like rationalize it. I wasn't even like thinking the whole day. It was just like maybe my the hard drive of my brain was catching up, yeah. you know. But by the end of the day, I walked myself into a new version brand of okay. Christianity. Okay. But it was different because the Christianity I had before was about me holding on to God mm-hmm. and then it switched to God holding on to me. Mm. So like you could tell in that difference, like who's bigger. Yeah. I'm if I'm holding on to God, then I'm somehow bigger. I can yeah. contain God. Right. I can understand, comprehend, apprehend God. Right. And then by the end of the day I was in this other Christianity. I was like, oh no, God's bigger. Yeah. I can't comprehend, apprehend, hold him at all, but he does me. Right, yeah. And so that reversal made me realize like, oh, I kind of feel like there's two kinds of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my experience thinking I was leaving Christianity behind. And then the couple of years since then, I found out that there's like this long tradition of a Christianity that's like that, that Mm -hmm. says God is more mystery than not mystery yeah you know but i think a lot of us have fallen into the trap of thinking we can explain or comprehend god yeah it's like that game will just keep you in a box well and that's the thing i said to tommy recently like i um it's so um i I feel like it's so easy for like the church folk (laughs) to be like (laughs) to be like well why why do you have so many questions when you have the bible but there's all your answers right there and it's like but we also weren't born with the ability to comprehend the bible like we don't have the capacity to understand that so like what that's like um, that's like putting trying to put a vhs in a dvd play and like i think i think a prime example of that is like i kind of piggybacked off that and i was like i feel like the most basic concept of the bible like you teach us to little kids is like the holy trinity is like three in one There's yeah three people in one and just that even that in itself is just so like mind-boggling you yeah. know yeah and yeah so i i don't know i just feel like something so like rudimentary and you know basic in their kind of uh, i don't know lesson plans it's like just insane yeah, yeah. and i think people write books on that alone like yeah yeah <laughs> like oh, they easily. go off about it and yeah, it's yeah. just like Good. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, um, to answer your question, though, from a second ago about how, I don't really remember uh, how it went. I remember just telling a couple of my friends that I didn't really know if I identified necessarily as a Christian, but it was never, um, I didn't share that with too many people, uh-huh. I guess partly because I was probably kind of scared, yeah. too, but also, I never really, like, identified with that, like, I didn't, I never, like, made that as, like, okay, well, now I'm not a Christian, so I'm a different oh, okay. person, it was kind of just, like, Right now, I'm not really feeling this, and like that was that was me as a sophomore. Yeah, and I was like, this isn't uh, working for me at, at least in like its current form. Mm-hmm. So then right. I don't think there was ever a point where I was like, oh, okay, actually, never mind. It just kind of, I think ever since then has been a constant, uh, I guess, like an everyday qu- like question. Hill and Valley type. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, like I think like well, that's with better. Like with a re- yeah. like with a relationship, if you're like married to someone, you're not gonna be like. We're divorced today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's like this, this like, constant thing of like sometimes it might be might be more visible to you, and sometimes like, it being like the love or the relationship, the presence right. of the relationship might be more visible, yeah. might be more obvious, but then other times it might not be, and it's not that you're ever not in that relationship. It's just at a different point. Mm-hmm. So I guess, 
I definitely feel like I'm the same way. Like I. But you see, hold on. That makes it into a journey, not a state of being. Yeah. It's not. It's not like a, a light switch. Like you're either off or on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's. It's not a state of being. That's thing. Like there totally it's is a relationship like, of something. I think that's where like where church tries to teach that you can't be lukewarm. I feel like that's the whole point, almost, is to be lukewarm. There's well, yeah, that passage is taken way out of context. Oh, well, I remember you explained that to we us. We can talk on. about it's, that yeah, at the, some the point. The plumbing, of, yeah, that was just... Oh, yeah. I remember you broke that the down. The Laodicea. Yeah, that was just insane. <laughs> and then I remember, do you remember we told uh, Tim and uh, at Delanco? At, yeah, yeah. At Delanco, and he was like, he's like, do your Tim DePorter impression. He's like, oh, dude, that was crazy. Oh, dude, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, man. I missed that guy. Yeah. yeah. It would have been fun to see him again this oh, summer, dude, but it yeah. didn't work out. yeah. Yeah, you know, global pandemic. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I think yeah. I'm definitely kind of in that same vein of like, you know, that hill and valley or, you know, like any relationship, there's good days and there's bad days. I think the, and, and there wasn't any defining moment where I was like, yeah. I'm not a Christian, but I think the more I started looking at, and this might sound weird, but the more I started like observing the current state of like politics, yeah. and the more I, st- I, I saw the connection of church and who, you know, certain people were supporting. And, yeah. like, these people have, like, you know, just it sounds like the worst people ever. You know, like, <laughs> they, they have, like, allegations against them for, like, you know, uh, yeah. molesting children. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like... For, like are you saying, like, why, why, are we, why are we supporting Donald Trump if he has X, right. X, Y, Z? But even, or, like, even, like, before that, before he was even, like, I think at this point he was running. And I remember there was, cert- there was like, a... I don't know if it was like a congressman or something like that who had who yeah. was really under fire for, you know, like you know, child whatever, you know, being sexually harassing. And I was just like, why are we still supporting someone who is even remotely like this? And I remember thinking like, I, I was at Delanco. Someone asked like, what is the meaning of like social equality? And I mean, I kind of just responded and was like, well, I feel like that's making sure everyone. Uh, I, I can't remember what I said, honestly, but it was a definition yeah. of social. And uh, one of our friends, uh, shout out Sean, was like, I feel like Jesus would be more liberal, quote unquote, you know, whatever that means. Right. And now, because you look at some, like, there's also another thing. Eric Andre went to the RNC and he went yeah. to the DNC. And the RNC, he was just harassed and really? he was just beat down. Like, people were like, you're not Martin Luther King, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they're yelling at him and, like, and then, like, he went to, like, the DNC, uh-huh. and he was like, hey, like, can I have a hug? And they're like, dude, of course. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, and I just oh, felt yeah. like, see, and that's what I, one of the things that, especially since the, since um, George Floyd was murdered and the, all the uh, riots and, and all the protesting started taking place, um, the one thing that I've been just, just so tired of is seeing the automatic correlation between conservatism, con- conservatism, yeah. Yeah. conservatism, yeah. And progress, progressivism? Well, it, it's like you, if you're a Christian, you have to be a conservative. Right. Oh. And I, yeah. I'm so tired of, of, like, that automatic correlation. Yeah. Because I, that's, I don't agree with that at all. Well, and I, I think also, like... Yeah, Jesus doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into, like, a, uh, like, pol- political thing. Yeah. But, like, to me, the thing about, that I don't get about having, like, Republican versus Democrat... Yeah. is those are two teams fighting against each other, which means the goal is for one of them to win. Whereas, yeah. rather, it should be all one side for one thing. You Coming know, as a collective. Yeah, yeah. Together, like yeah. We're all yeah. fighting for the same thing. Obviously, people are going to have different points of view and have different ideas of how to get to that point. But, I don't know, yeah. The, the more I see like just people being like, 
oh, you know, worship God and vote for Trump, like that kind of stuff, just is does not fly. Uh, yeah. So. So where do you want to go with that? Uh, I don't know. But, like, I mean, because it's tribalism is what yeah, it is. Yeah. Now here's like the thing that makes the most sense to me, and this is like an ancient principle. I'm going to use. Let's say Genesis and Exodus, like, okay. to debunk conservatism, progressivism, Republicans and Democrats mm. who claim Jesus right now. Right. Okay, so like at the start of the Israelite nation, mm-hmm. right? So Jacob wrestles with God. Uh-huh. He busts his head. Yeah. God gives him a new name, Israel, which means yeah. those who struggle with God. Israelites come from that name, right? Okay, but. When God establishes the Israelites, he does something groundbreaking. And it's, you are now a nation, and your job in the world is to bless Mm -hmm. other nations. Not to bomb other nations. Right. Not to go over the hill and slaughter your neighboring tribe in their sleep. Yeah. So, like, at the start of the formation of this tribe is also the end of tribalism. Oh. You see, there's like a there's the end, like the there's like, like a separation. seed. There's a seed in this tribe that undoes tribalism right. everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, for the first time in human history, you have a tribe whose original mantra and a purpose for existing is to erase tribalism. Mm. And then you're turning that into a tribe. Well, and then here we are with like progressivism or or conservatism, whatever you want to say. And they've just become a new form of tribalism yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like we need to stamp out our opposition rather than integrate them right, and yeah. bring them in and, like you guys said, work together. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what's going on that this late Bronze Age text is still more ahead of the times yeah. than we are now in yeah. the year 2020? So, in that sense, it's like so many people think that we should leave religion behind because mm-hmm. it's behind us. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can leave religion behind if you think it's behind us. But if you think religion is actually leagues ahead of us, and humanity still has a heck of a lot to learn and grow from it, then you're like, oh no, we we can't grow. That's the last thing you want to do, is leave behind. Well, I I heard this uh, idea that there is no other sphere of life that's designed to purposefully help us to wake up to spiritual things and the connection that we have with everyone. Mm. Okay? So you could do math. Mm-hmm. You could do uh, social studies. You could do physics. You could do biology. Well, maybe bi- biology might do it. But health class, where in there are there classes that are designed to teach you compassion? In any of those classes, where do you hear somebody say, you should love your enemies? Yeah. yeah. That doesn't happen in any other discipline. Yeah. And so, like, are you sure you want to be one of those people that throws off religion and says it's terrible? Yeah. So, like, nobody else can see it right here. Oh. But I've got an icon, a picture of the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And there's Jesus. And it's a, it's actually a historically inaccurate table because it wasn't circular. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but Judas is even there. Okay. Mm. And so what's going on that even the betrayer is having a favorite meal, the last meal, with the savior yeah like by the way there's also something cool everyone there who's a saint has two eyes visible judas is the only one you can only see one eye yeah because if somebody's turned towards like you face on right they've got nothing to hide right yeah but if somebody's like 
Oh, they're yeah. hiding half their face because yeah. they're hiding their other half of their motivations right. for being there. Interesting. But um, I think tribalism would say, let's have all of our people here who would say yes to us. Yeah. Leave Judas out. And so even on the Last Supper, we've got Jesus working against tribalism by saying, we're even going to bring our betrayers in to us and have a great meal together. Mm-hmm. Because in the ancient culture... Um, the meal was actually like an altar. Interesting. Because this is like, you brought your best offerings together. Yeah. You didn't present them to God. You presented to each other. Right. Like the other person visiting was like a God themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. And so then there's like this circular, at least there, circular altar where we all give offerings to yeah. one another. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like that's all. But that's, this is like 2,000 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Like what's going on? That's pre-electricity. And we think we're the progressive ones? Yeah, yeah. seriously. So, Dang. this is like, that's why I think there's like something to be said for, mm, like a, what, what are those creatures like that, that have shells? Um, not snails, but I mean. Mollusks. I was, I was actually thinking uh, hermit crabs. Oh, hermit crabs. Yeah. They actually have to leave their shell at a certain point because yeah. they've outgrown them. Right. But it's not like then they go get a different structure. They just find another shell that somebody else left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, like, all of us have got to recognize when the shell that protected us and brought us this far no longer serve its purpose. Yeah. And so we've got to risk going out until Mm -hmm. we find a bigger shell that can manage us, but it's still a shell. It's like a bigger Christianity you have to find at a certain point. And also, this might not fit the metaphor, but you're also leaving a shell for someone else to come and occupy. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's a good point. And I th- and that fits something that I've said Tommy before, which is that to me Christianity is uh, a starting point of where not not that okay. Christianity is a starting point, but that's the base, that's your roots, that's where you started, yeah. and you know you're gonna live you're gonna live at your house with your parents as a kid, like me and Tommy still do. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out mom and dad. <laughs> and um, bills. and then. At a certain point in your life, you're going to move to this place, and then maybe you're going to get married and move to this place with that person, and then uh-huh. you're going to travel to this place, and you're going to visit this. And uh, it all roots back to the the place where you started. It all roots back to your home. Yeah. Um, but that that's not where you're going to live out the rest of your life. You're not going to plant your roots there and die there. You're just going to carry those kind of teachings throughout your whole life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which is a good way to think about and it. And that's, uh, that's something I think I thought of like a few months ago back in like October, talking to Tommy. Um, about it because I just feel like it's so often viewed as like, well, no, you, you can't leave your roots because this is your roots. You got to stay right here. <laughs> and instead, I feel like you should be the total opposite. It's like, okay, you guys are, you, you're ready to move to the next, the next spot. Yeah. As the more we talk about this, the more like the metaphor of a journey comes up. Oh and, yeah. And it's yeah, all, yeah. whether it be this or whether they're talking about like of a race, uh, uh, yeah. Or like a, a relational journey, you know, yeah, with, yeah. with someone. <laughs> so I wonder, I, I just, I love that concept because it's a great visualization of exactly that. You know, there's high points and low points. Um, and so that was one thing I was just noticing was it always comes back to that, or at least lately it does. Yeah. I think it was like two summers ago. I tell you about my VBC crisis, you know, like Vacation Bible Club. Yeah. So I was like behind the stage. There's like 250 uh, little co- toddlers on the other side of the stage me. floor. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for my cue my partner, her name is Danielle. She does the children's stuff, and I, I love doing skits mm-hmm. with her. And 
she was saying her, she was getting to her cue when I was going to jump out with his gigantic like hair and beard down yeah, here, yeah, like yeah. ridiculous get up. And I'm sitting backstage. I'm like, I have a master's degree. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I read so much more sophisticated stuff than this. <laughs> yeah. Like what? And then it was like, oh, this is an ego trip I'm having. Yeah. But then I realized I was once out there, yeah. a toddler. And that's what I needed at that point. Right. But it would be foolish for me to think that, like, me now in my 30s should keep growing off of that level. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so then I, I heard my cue and I jumped out and I did my dancing bit, said my lines, and then left the stage. And I got to, like, this point of realizing that was good because that's what they needed at that point. But it would be a mistake for me to talk to the two of you like your toddlers. Right. Like yeah. your four-year-olds. Yeah. That's like, first off, that's insulting to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Two, it's also insulting to the content. It's like, I don't think that it can say anything more sophisticated than for toddlers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there's also like this hidden, um, not critique, there's like a hidden thought that like Christianity isn't actually deeper than toddlers can handle. Yeah. But... Um, a, a journey is a good metaphor. A good one I heard recently was a butterfly, right? Okay, yeah. Everything's a caterpillar. Right. And then the most brilliant thing is like at a certain point they surround themselves in a chrysalis and then they, they like melt down yeah. and then they reconstruct and then they, they burst out and they're yeah. butterflies. Okay. The goal is to be a put, a butterfly, right? No one looks at a caterpillar and shames it for not being oh, a butterfly. No, right. You're like, Oh no, you're just not there yet. Yeah. But it would be a disappointment for that caterpillar to always stay a caterpillar and never become what yeah, it yeah, should. Yeah. So like what you said, Noah, about sticking to your roots and only being roots. It's like, well, you got to blossom at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're supposed to be a, a mighty oak tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, so what, this is like a, a con, this is a, a idea I bring up all the time in church circles, but in Hebrews six, it says, uh, stop being children eating just milk you need to move on to like steak and meat and yeah, like, have yeah, some yeah, heavier yeah, yeah. teachings it's like it's good to teach repentance and forgiveness of sins and baptism but then it says this amazing line uh, don't keep laying again the same foundation at a certain point you have yeah, to move yeah. on to the other teachings right, yeah. Yeah. I was like oh I was like, that's totally it. So many churches are laying the same foundation yep. over and over and over again with like four Bible studies a week. Yeah, yeah. And they never move on to like a little bit more sophisticated teaching that can yeah. handle like... And that was another thing that was so exhausting. It wasn't yeah. just that I had to be a part of so many uh Did you feel like you were always learning the I same like thing? I felt like was, I, I wasn't that's exactly hearing anything it, yeah. new. Like I, and I said that there was one point during quarantine where I texted Tommy and I was like, dude, like... Actually, I might have texted Josh actually now I'm thinking about it. Um, where I was like, dude, like, when does it, do, do they not realize that they're just hearing the same thing over and over? Because I walked downstairs, and my uh, my parents were watching a sermon on the computer since, obviously, quarantine. And the, I think the, the only thing I heard as I was, like, walking through the kitchen to grab something and go back upstairs was, like, was, like, Christ died on the cross for our sins. And I, or it was something like that. And I was like... Okay, like they have heard this now how many times, and and how many more times do they have to hear? Like and and I, until they're like, okay, I've heard I've heard enough. Let me like. And that was the else. thing that I I know Noah felt the same way too. But I remember sitting in our home church that you know the church that we grew up in for our whole lives. I remember sitting in the service and saying, and like 
realizing that I know exactly how the series is going to play out. I know, oh, yeah. I know how many songs they're going to play. I know that the you know one guy's going to come up and do a little bit of a bit, and you know <laughs> then they're going to go into a sermon that is going to be pretty. Pretty watered down, and who's ready to see the Eagles play? Today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got my tie on Super Bowl Sunday, and it's just like, it's it's all it's all good. And then another thing too was the fact that they were just so about like offering and money. Oh, and like yeah. I, I almost felt like they were trying to they put more thought into finding new and clever ways to like ask for money than yeah. the actual message. Dude, I remember getting to a point where on the screen they had it was like. Uh, it was like a wallet with money in it, plus uh, like the offering plate, and it was like equals like God being thankful or something. Yeah. And I was just like, that seems like I just remember th- like it I just had, sounds like a buying God's happiness. Yeah, at that point, I had been at that church for the last like seventeen years or something like that. But I was thinking like, if this was my first, if I was visiting this church, and I walked in this, I'd be like, wow, that is like I'm never coming back to this church again. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Like obviously, their intent is to try to get money from my wow. me. Which I like the church services that have the kind of thing where it's like the offering plate is in the back, and if you feel led to, to yeah. put offering in, you can yeah. put it there in the privacy. You know, nobody's gonna be watching you. That's the other thing. Passing a plate around, somebody who's first time at church and they're like, oh, everybody's putting money in. Do I need to put money yeah. in, or yeah. am I gonna be viewed as like a bad person, or am I not gonna be welcomed back? There's, uh, yeah. There's so many things that sometimes are not allowed to be questioned, mm-hmm. right? And then they become like rote rituals that are like, oh, don't deviate from this. Yeah, so yeah. there's like, uh, that's one of the things with, uh, how do you understand the word liturgy? Like the liturgists, the guys that make the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they Your get competitors? It. Yeah, no. <laughs> the liturgy is how a church service is structured, okay. right? And usually how things are structured reinforce the values that are happening. This is why kneeling for the flag Mm -hmm. is such a big taboo Mm -hmm. because it's crossing with American liturgy about Uh, what America says is important. And so when you have people, think about it like a church service, everybody's supposed to kneel at this point, but one person stays standing, it's like you're not following the ritual. You're not following the liturgy. And so it's like, are you not staying? Are you not praying because you don't? believe right it's like yeah so there's not only like um you're not believing the liturgy there's also like oh you're not one of us right which is oh. still going back to tribalism yeah. yeah and that is actually that like sort of triggered a memory in my brain that i forgot about which oh. was that there was a, a lady uh very like charismatic um oh i know exactly what you're gonna Charlene, i think was her name yeah. she was a very charismatic you know gospel black woman oh wow and Whenever uh, worship was going on, sometimes she would walk down the aisle. Sometimes uh-huh. she would have her hands up. Sometimes she'd be she'd be yelling something. And there was a point in time where the church like asked her to stop coming to the services. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I haven't thought about that in years. But now thinking back on that, um, probably if that if that were to happen now, I'd be like, yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm good. I'm not going to that church anymore. Because mm-hmm. like to ask somebody to not be coming because they're, it'd be one thing if she's like messing with people and like right. standing up and like knocking people's bibles out of their hands and stuff yeah. like that. But, <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but she's just worshiping in the way that she knows how to and the way that she feels yeah. comfortable too and then you're going to be like oh, i forgot about that that's not quite in the format that we've laid out so if you'd please kindly leave and never do that again <laughs> like dude i remember that when they had to tell her that she 
like was like brought to tears for that because yeah. she, she she was found yeah, probably at because home. for her maybe she was being authentic. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. then it's like don't bring your authentic self. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which is I would love to have a church service day where everybody comes in, not wearing their pajamas, but like just dressed down. Right. Just once. Right. Because again it goes back to like maybe being authentic is more important than anything else. And see that's the thing too, like I don't mean to say this in any way that's like so I was definitely ahead of the curve or anything like that. But at, <laughs> I remember at age like five or six being like, why do I feel like, or like, why are my parents making me dress nicer than I do Monday through Saturday? <laughs> like, uh, why is it that I'm going to church and that's the place I'm expected to look my best and, and put on uh, put on show? Yeah. Rather than it being the other way around, it would seem like it would be. Well, uh, here you go. I, this, here's my theory. All right. goes back to uh, Abraham and trying to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah. Right. So in the Old Testament, people were expected to bring their best offerings. Right. Right? And then at one point, he was told to sacrifice his own son. We all think that's scandalous, but back then, everybody sacrificed their firstborn sons. Right. That would have been me. But right? me too. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. we're done. Yeah. And that would have been fine in that culture. Yeah. The real shakeup is that God says, you don't have to sacrifice your firstborn right. son. We think it's horrifying that he asks for it. The real horrifying thing is that he doesn't, because they're like, well, what would you do now? Yeah. yeah. Right? But I think then Jesus comes along, and when Jesus dies, according to the book of Hebrews, it sounds like we're in the book of Hebrews, um, his death is said to be once for all, mm-hmm. and his death does away with all of the sacrificial system mm-hmm. of the temple and like retroactively going back in time through the Old Testament. Okay. okay. That means we don't have to make sacrifices now. Like, we don't have to kill anyone mm-hmm. in order to appease an oh, angry God. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to kill each other to appease our angry neighbor. Yeah. We don't have to kill anyone, right? But then I think it kind of got translated to other ways of like, yeah, we don't bring our best harvests to God, but we bring our best suits to God. <laughs> and that's our oh, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what if Jesus dying on the cross did away with all sacrificial yeah. ways that we try to earn favor yeah. with God, yeah. including wearing a three-piece suit and slicking our hair back. Yeah. You see, like, then we realized Jesus doing away with the sacrificial system also did away with all the ways that we try to impress each other with how we look. Yeah. yeah. And I remember there Right? Like, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Does that follow? Yeah, yeah. Is, was that like, oh, we translated the sacrificial did, yeah. system to a new thing. Yeah, I did. De- yeah, no, that makes. I could be wrong. <laughs> no, I definitely I no. Wrong. I agree. I, I just and I think that's another thing where what were you saying about like uh, we have these ideas that Jesus. What, what were you saying about Mike D. Mike Donahue? He was talking about Mike D. from the Beastie Boys. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about because you always uh, talk about Mike the Beastie Boys. <laughs> uh, those what are they? Pharisaical thoughts. Oh, and oh. How we take things that Jesus says and we make those. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Je- like Jesus was condemning the Pharisees for being like you found a bunch of rules that worked for you and now you're trying to press that onto everybody else. But then we take the rules that Jesus corrected them with and we try to make those the rules for everybody else too. Mm-hmm. And just as a hard and fast, like there is no, uh, there is no, uh, what's the word? Um, like interpretation of there's no reinterpretation oh. of it there's no reevaluating of it yeah it's just oh this is what he said so now you all have to live by it's it or else you're not yeah. yeah it's black and white there's no gray so that's uh what is it i think it's first no i think it's second 
2 Corinthians. There's the letter and then the spirit of the word, of the, like, the Bible. You could say, like, the letters of the Bible say this should happen. Mm -hmm. But the spirit or the Mm -hmm. meaning that carried those words, that's what's more important because... If you were to, this is, I'm like quoting it almost exactly. The letter kills, the spirit brings life. Okay. If you try to live by the letters of the Bible, yeah. you're killing yourself and you're killing other people yeah. by your legalism it's, and how you're doing. But if you just live by the spirit of the Bible, you're going to be thriving and yeah, actually living yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. It's caring about the rules more than you're caring about the people. Yeah. And, but, but the Bible actually says that in different words. Uh-huh. The letter... Living by the letter kills people, including right. yourself, but living by the spirit keeps people alive. You just said in, in your word, right, what yeah, was, yeah. how'd you just say it? Uh, caring more about the rules than you care about the people. Yeah. Which was, that, I feel like that's this exact same thing that's being said in yeah. second Corinthians. This is like one of the, also another thing, like so many people think that they're ahead of the curve by like critiquing Christianity. Yeah. And like all of our critiques are already in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like. You think you're the first person to tell religious leaders they're doing yeah. stuff wrong? Our our savior did that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's like, oh, you think we're all a bunch of hypocrites? Yeah. My Bible already says that about yeah, yeah. me. It's like you think you're being original? That's <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> and I think um with there was what I said about caring about the rules more than you care about yeah. the people is yeah. from that video of Mike Donahue okay. talking about alcohol. And yeah. he, he was saying, yeah, yeah. he was saying that like people's argument would be, um, to st- don't be drinking alcohol because for the people like you, you could be a stumbling bo- block on the people that, uh, are trying to stay away from alcohol. And he was like, well, if we're going to be making that excuse, then wouldn't we just be saying that about, um, vegetarianism too like he, he's like he was like if you if you oh. don't want to order alcohol at a restaurant because you're going to be a stumbling block to people who are staying away from that then do you also do you not uh order a steak at a restaurant and he's like mm. he's like maybe since jesus was always one that was focusing on the intentions of the heart maybe oh. it's more you know the people that are being a stumbling block are the people who are going to come in to somebody who's a vegetarian and doesn't drink alcohol and they're going to bring a rib, a ribeye and they're going to bring a beer <laughs> and they're going to be like, this is my freedom. Yeah. And he's uh, saying, he's saying the people that aren't being a stumbling block are people that are living their life. And just, just because somebody orders a drink of alcohol or a steak in front of people doesn't mean that they're being a stumbling block to them. They're not doing it out of like m- malicious, you know, trying to, yeah, you know? So I think that's where, I mean, partially I wanted to give credit to my mind. I didn't want to try to take that quote for myself. But I think that's really interesting. And I also think it's true. I mean, and he, another verse he quoted in that was somewhere in Romans 14 where he said that yeah. the uh, the man who has to abstain from meat and wine uh, is actually the weaker brother. And it's mm. and the one that... It doesn't mean that if you follow those rules, you're the more glorified one or the yep. more like respectable one. It means that you're the weaker one. Maybe you have some things you need to work through. Yeah. I mean, it kind of... This, it's so funny how to be completely like middle-of-the-road orthodox is so controversial. Like, I'm saying the most obvious thing possible. <laughs> when Jesus is asked, what's the most important rules you could live by? He says, love God. And the second is they only ask for one. He gives them two anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and love other people. And then everything else is about how you live out those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, St. Augustine at one point, he says like, listen, 
Like, people were, like, asking, like, should I be abstaining from food that was sacrificed to idols? Should I be doing this or that? And he's just like, listen, guys. This is my paraphrase. <laughs> he's like, listen, guys. Just love other people. And yeah. Do what you want. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's his ethical principle. Yeah. Just, just love other people and do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he was tired that day, or maybe he was brilliant. Yeah. Of like, no, listen, please. It really comes down to love. Because... Honestly, um, if you were to think about the people that helped you to grow and to heal the most, they weren't the people that forced you to keep rules. It was the people that loved you the most, even when you weren't keeping mm, the rules. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So actually, like, and this is, like, my trap is uh, thinking that knowledge will prepare me for any situation. So I'll read everything and I'll want to learn everything I can about a situation before I go into it. And that's its own pitfall because you can never know everything. Yeah. Right. But the it's also in Corinthians. It says knowledge puffs up but love builds up. Mm, yeah. It's like you can get really puffed up about how much you think you know about the yeah. world. Yeah. But love is the thing that actually builds you up and other people around you. Yeah. So it's like when you work out, you get a pump going. But when you're actually starting to work out repeatedly, you get stronger. And you, it's never yeah. more than just a yeah, pump. Yeah, it's dense. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's my little metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's true. But what's unfortunate, and I see this happening with like Republican and Democratic Christians, yeah, and even like between like the denominations, right? Oh, yeah. Is that we have. And it might be another form of tribalism that we think that our brand of Christianity is the only yeah. acceptable one or we're the one that's most right as if that means anything Dude, to God. and that's the thing that like, blows my mind. Christianity is a wide tent. Yeah. Dude, like there's thousands. I've of never inter- understood the fact that they're like, oh, what denomination are you? So, like, there is <laughs> so a story that I heard and I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try to do it really fast. Okay. Basically... <laughs> There was a guy who was walking on the on the Golden Gate Bridge. He sees a guy about to jump off, and he's oh, like, no. "Oh my goodness!" He's like, "I gotta talk to this guy." He's talking to him. He's like, "Hey man, like, what are you like? Why are you here? Well, like, what's your? Why are you about to jump off?" And he's like, uh, "Just been having some tough times." He gets to talking to him and finds out that he's a Christian. He's like, "Oh, I'm a Christian too." Wow. Uh, what denomination are you? And he says, "Oh, like I'm a you know Methodist." He's like, "Oh, so am I." And I don't know like <laughs> the the term for like the different subsections of oh yeah of like those divisions and all like and then it gets like five different similarities and then the sixth sixth one he's like oh are you like uh, first precinct or and I don't know what the term is <laughs> yeah. and he's like he's like oh like I'm the second he's like oh you traitor and he like pushes him off the bridge but it <laughs> oh, no. just goes to show you how like so many I feel like so many times people get so caught up in like the divisions or the... Absolutely. And it's... I don't understand that at all. I've never understood it. There was, like, a good portion of my life that I didn't even realize I went to a Methodist church. Like, I would say I I went to SUMC or I went to Stickleville United Methodist Church, but I didn't think about the word Methodist. I was just like, oh, I'm Christian. I don't know what denomination I am. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, the word Christian literally means little Christ. Yeah. So it's like... I really think that the actual goal of Christianity is to create millions of little Christs yeah, yeah. that go around the world healing and yeah, fixing yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Like, wow, that sounds pretty awesome. I'll yeah. do that. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure if I shared it at Delanco before. I'm sure I did. The word religion comes from two Latin phrases, like re, mm-hmm. meaning again, mm-hmm. and ligio, which could mean Isn't ligament. Religare, I think I did. Yeah, re Yeah. But it's like... 
religion in its own word actually means to re-ligament or reattach mm-hmm. right. things together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with separating people. Yeah. Good religion actually reattaches them when they've fallen apart. And it's so unfortunate that we've taken religion and made it divisive yeah. rather oh than Dude. reattaching. Dude, that's the thing. Like, I can easily tell you that in the last four years, or especially the last three years, um, and even more so the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I can definitely say in the last few years the church uh, body uh, has been so much more divisive to me than... than uh, what do you mean divisive to you? Like I, I guess pushing pushing me away a lot more than maybe a little bit more in. like combative towards Com- you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think a big thing was I remember meeting up with you. Yeah. Uh, after we, me and Tommy got into a little bit of trouble at our church. Yeah, in the you shed. Yeah. yeah. We so that for for really the. <laughs> <laughs> so for took the music equipment that they shouldn't. Yeah, have. for the music for the music listeners for the podcast listeners we took we we uh we had permission to use the this uh gear for a show that we were playing, and. Uh, we, nobody knew where the key was, so we had to. We were at a at the end of our rope, uh, because the show was coming up, and we were like, all right, well, we need to just break into this shed so we can get the gear and play the show because I didn't want to play a bad show. Right. <laughs> so we did that, and then uh, they thought like somebody like a, somebody else not connected to the church yeah. broke in and stole stuff. And so then it was this big thing. And so then we had to go into the office and apologize to everybody. Understandably, we had to return everything and, and apologize. But then things started getting a little bit more questionable because then they they told us we had to come to the church again to apologize. And we had to apologize oh. to, to more people. And we had to apologize to some people a second time. As if our first apology wasn't appreciated, well, yeah. like wasn't really, you know. Wasn't taken to heart uh, and so then but then at that point we were like okay still it's fine like we'll just go and apologize again so we went in and, and then we they we apologized and they asked us what happened so we started go- walking through the very beginning of it yeah. we were being as and I even remember showing you some of the recording because yeah, yeah, it got did. to the point where Tommy had to start recording on his phone quite respectful from what I oh, remember oh dude w- I can tell you I've never treated anybody in that church with more respect than that day dude, than that and day. we prefaced every statement we said with this is not an excuse this doesn't negate anything that we did but this is our minds like we were just so like yeah. we were trying to describe to them what was going through our heads and what was yeah. happening but that was because they were asking us they were like what yeah they were thinking? asking us what to do, what we were doing and what why we thought that would be okay and we are like well at the time blank you know and like he said yeah. the whole time we were, we, were, we were like that doesn't mean so that what, what we about that okay. felt so divisive towards so you. then it got to the point where they were like oh we can call the cops on you right now and it got very aggressive and we were like whoa like we're just here talking to you guys like w- w- at that point we were i guess 18 yeah and um so i was like we're 18 year old i was still in high school and it was like we're uh or maybe I wasn't I think I had my head shaved at that point so yeah. I was in it. but regardless um I was like you know we're eighteen year old kids and I feel like we're treating you guys with more respect than you guys are treat or even uh, to put it differently I feel like we're treating the situation with more respect than they are yeah. and we wanted to talk to them and get to a point where we could be like okay everything's solved we fixed everything yeah. we okay. made amends. But with them, it was kind of like they weren't going to be happy with no matter what we did. And it wasn't even like we went in kind of with like, oh, like hopefully, you know, we'll just get a slap on the wrist. Like uh, we were both going in there knowing that we were probably going to get some flack that was going to be unnecessary. But, you know, like we were like, okay, well, you know, we made the stupid mistake. You know, that's expected. But it was way more than that. So yeah. that was the... And I mean, it was something where, um, oh, one of the women on the, like, the board said... Um, 
when she was saying uh, back, like back to normal uh, Sundays, she was like, I better not see you guys in this church building unless your butts are in a pew. And I just remember that really rubbed me the wrong way, and I was like, all right, well, okay, you don't but, have to worry about that. I don't think I'll be Right. Here. Without going into other specifics, what about that rubbed you the wrong way? That sentence or the whole the, situation? That sentence. Um... It was like, I guess I was kind of like, is that a kind of church that you want? Like, is that, that's the kind of church body that you want to form? And I guess also yeah. it was like, it was like, okay, so we made it, we made a, a bad decision. We made a mistake and we're owning up to it and we're doing all the things necessary that you guys are asking us to yeah. do to make yeah. amends. And you still aren't putting us at a point where we can um, carry on in a, in like a respectful way or in a normal way. It was like, it's like, all right, now that you guys have made this mistake, we're going to treat you completely differently. Like, there was no, like, they gave us no reason, or there was just no growth. Like, we knew that it wasn't going to be, like, and, you know, maybe it wasn't going to be the, exactly the same, but we knew that, like, they were still going to be, you know, think down on us and, yeah. and yeah. talk to us and treat us a certain way. Which... So, right behind you is a painting. I mean, it's a poster that I framed, okay. but that's Rembrandt and, and his version of the parable of the prodigal son. Okay. So on the upper right, that's the older brother who's being staunchy. Oh. Okay. Right? Yeah. And he's looking condescendingly down on the lost younger brother who just went off and yeah. squandered everything. Uh-huh. Right? And then that's the father who's blessing the son right. that just came home. It's, this is a, uh, a form of tenebrism, okay. which happened in, in the middle in medieval ages that used bright spots to highlight things and then uh, things that were less important were left in the dark okay you can almost tell the brightest things there are almost just the father's hands oh yeah the yeah. most important thing in this painting is the father blessing home the wayward son yeah and not shaming him mm-hmm. whereas the older brother the staunchy one is looking down he kind of looks is he a little sad or angry yeah but like almost like he's like just tolerating it sort of yeah it's like god like why are you blessing this kid um who's wearing rags look he's got yeah. he's got one shoe on in yeah. that painting but what's cool is that the the father henry now and says the father can't be a good father unless he's been both versions of those sons somewhere in his yeah. life he's been to like he's been to both of those extremes i've done terrible stuff yeah and i've also been the judgmental guy and that's why the father is capable and that's a beautiful thing like the father is the god figure in that parable yeah yeah and it's unfortunate that a lot of churches um shame the wayward son when they come home yeah. rather yeah. than bless them. And that's something too that I've said to Tommy that it bothers me that I feel like the church will be so and I actually oh no I texted you this. Well, it actually. could be yeah, go ahead. Um that the church is so is so quick to say that like oh you know the church isn't us or isn't the building it's us it's we you know we are the body of Christ <laughs> that's right but then <laughs> as soon as you're not there on Sunday then the oh is he not a Christian anymore? <laughs> And that really came to fruition when quarantine happened because yeah. no one was going to church. Oh, yeah, that highlighted a lot. You know, of stuff. like, yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like that just proved that point even more that it really, like, it, church could be four guys in the middle of the woods yeah. singing songs. And, you know, like, church could be five. me and Tommy we're listening not even to records at night and yeah. we're, we're in my room talking about stuff. Yeah, like, some of the stuff that we brought up here is stuff that we were just talking oh, about dude. the other night yeah. in my room That's listening cool. to music. Like, and I, I think I've had some of the most beneficial conversations and some of the most, uh, I've grown the most in conversations with 
you, with Josh, with Tommy, with my yeah, girlfriend, and like that's cool. Just I I think that I remember there being one point where I decided all right today I'm not gonna go to church I'm gonna listen to I think I listened to like some podcast or a sermon on uh, on my phone I went out on my back deck it was like in the summertime and I ate breakfast and I felt like I had gotten so much more out of that than I ever have wow. in the last mm-hmm. fifteen years of going to church. Yeah. So, well, Fed, you weren't capable of that when you were a toddler. Yeah. But, like, that's exactly what you need now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you need different vitamins at different stages. Right, of course, life, right? yeah. So, uh, the Hebrew word for church mm-hmm. um, or gathering okay. is edah, okay. and that means E-D-A-H in English. But it means witnessing community. Okay. So your church is wherever you have an authentic group of people that give witness okay. to their struggles and glories of their life in their faith, yeah. right? however you want to say it, right? But that means it has little to do with how you dress, what songs you sing, right. what brand of Christianity you think you are, because yeah. you could be a different one in 10 years, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Because we don't hold God, God holds us. Uh-huh. But I always thought that's why hanging in hammocks among like seven trees yeah, yeah, and yeah. having really good conversations. Like, why does this feel more like church? Dude. And it's because this is a collection of people that are being like, not necessarily bleeding out all the time, but we're just giving authentic right. witness to our glories and failures. And it's unfortunate that church services don't feel like spaces where people can give authentic witness to their struggles yeah, and glories. Yeah. It's because, it, to me, sometimes church feels very much, and I work at a church, sometimes church can feel like it's too much of a performance oh. rather than an announcement of, of, like, let me give witness to what happened this past week in my life. There, yeah, no, I definitely, there's definitely a huge disconnect with our church where it would just feel like you sit in the audience it wasn't even it didn't even feel like a congregation it felt like an audience <laughs> yeah and it was you yeah. know, there's someone performing on a stage they get done their set and they get ready for the next one and it just felt very cut and dry like that so i definitely like i feel that that's yeah yeah and i think um well and one thing i wanted to touch on okay was the i mean the whole uh, sort of like title that I gave it when I texted you. Yeah, what was the title? Well, I, I didn't really give it essentially a okay. title, but just basically I said the like the potential dangers of being raised in a, in the church. Yeah. Okay. Is like, to I think about it as if I hear the the story of the crucifixion. Okay. I don't. It doesn't really shake me at all. It doesn't. Uh, I'm I'm very used to it. It's very uniform to me. Okay. If I was somebody, it doesn't stir you, yeah. like emotionally. Yeah, Is yeah. That what you mean? Because okay. I was gonna say, if I if I was twenty now and I'd never been to a church, I my parents weren't Christian, and everything, um, and I heard about historically what actually happened uh, according to the Bible of the crucifixion of Jesus. I feel like that would hit me and knock me down. Like okay. if, if I was hearing that for the first time now. Okay. But I think when you know, like the friend you mentioned earlier before we start recording. Um, who's where he, uh, yeah, when he was, Oh yeah. So him, him being raised in a house where his parents were doing drugs his whole life was a very normalized thing. That was just all he knew. That was, that was normal to him. So I think to me, uh, literally being, going to a church at, while my mom was pregnant with me and being born into that and then being in that church until, you know, last couple years, um, it, it really loses that 
uh, that grip on those stories, I think it loses its weight. Mm. When I hear it, yeah. I, you know what I mean? It, yeah. You just become jaded to it. You know? Yeah. It's like, well, how is that supposed to affect me in any way when, I've, well, when I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't hear that? Yeah. So, I mean, same thing with me. I Going to church every single week of my life, sometimes twice a week, going to a Christian college, majoring in biblical studies, getting a master's of divinity, then also working on a master's of theology, and essentially working in church or ministries since mm-hmm. I was like 19. Jeez. Okay. I have heard <laughs> so many of the things of the Bible so many times, and I get bored incredibly easy because yeah. I feel like I've already heard that angle before on yeah. that story. Yeah. But then along the way, I got like um, addicted is the word to wanting to find a unique angle on this parable. Mm. Like who's that weird theologian? What does that person say? Yeah. And then I started paying attention to like other denominations. Like how did they read it from this angle? And yeah. then this one and this one. And then I found myself like getting addicted to hearing multiple angles in the same thing. So like with you guys, like have you ever thought about the last supper with Judas was actually there yeah. as well? It's like, what's going on? That should be like the wayward tribe that you leave behind. But I understand that to hear the story of the crucifixion may not stir you emotionally anymore because it's true. We can become used to, um, it loses its integrity. It's like watching the Rambo movies. It's like after a while, like you're used to the gore of it, you know, what I found out, shout out to Jack Brumel, Brumel. So he and I were having a conversation once at Delanco and he brought up somebody. He's like, uh, I don't know about this person. I hear that they deny atonement theory. And my comment back was which atonement theory? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you know, there's like eight angles of looking at the crucifixion. Yeah. He's like, no. I was like, geez. So you guys have probably heard the angle of, it's probably from like Reformation on, Mm -hmm. that Jesus took our place and he suffered all of our pains for us. Yeah. Right. But there's also like, well, ransom theory is kind of a dumb one that like the devil captured all of humanity and Jesus pays a ransom to like, bias back Uh, from slavery to the devil like that's a different theory but there's also other ones that came along that have been like passed down through church history and different denominations favor different ones Mm -hmm. and i wonder if a different one would stir you emotionally now than when you were seven yeah i'm sure oh dude for sure and that i really like that kind of like it's like that prism like mindset of like it turns a prism and it light hits one way and you turn it and it's a different you know i think it's really because because it refracts differently but it's still it's still still the light yeah Yeah. exactly it's just you know viewed in a different in a different light um (laughs) but no i definitely like that's so just because i feel like i'm definitely someone who is whether it be in music or you know in art or whatever I just feel like I'm always looking for the next best thing you know yeah. and I'm always trying to see like what what's something that I haven't encountered yet that is that stirs me or that strikes definitely. me you know like definitely and so for something like that just to have you know more weight you know especially because I've heard this, these stories you know for years like I said we I was born into this church you know this, yeah. as he was yeah I think and this I don't know if this is like fully um, still staying on track completely but I just thought of 
sort of what we were talking about earlier of like not um, you're not going to shame somebody for being at a point earlier than you are now. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. when me and Tommy were in junior high, we listened to Reliant K all the time. Yeah. We listened to pop punk. Yeah. That's what we love. <laughs> so if we meet somebody that is really into Reliant K, we're not going to be like, oh, you're still onto them. Like you're not onto yeah. like Mute Math and yeah. like Radiohead yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're gonna be like, dude, Reliant K is so great. Yeah. I'm so glad you're listening no, to yeah, them. Yeah. Like, um, and yeah. So I mean, I think that, like I said, that was sort of to backtrack to what we were talking about earlier, yeah. but. Um, and then also what what you said to uh, to Jack reminded me of a time when I asked you I said uh, do you think every do you think everybody will go to heaven and you, oh. and I remember you do you remember what you said I have no idea you said very you, very on brand it was a very John response <laughs> by answering oh, my God. question with a question you said well <laughs> you said well if everybody does go to heaven will, would it bother you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a non-answer but it also it kind of is an answer no, it's 100 answer so what'd you think of that moment well i was well it's like I thought, if everybody did get in would that bother no you? see and the thing is that i was i wouldn't be bothered we were by just it. talking about this yeah like because the reason i asked you was because i started thinking very very basically because i think there's there's people that like you that study the bible their whole life yeah and know so much and so sometimes you might like come up with an argument that's like, you, you kind of you might throw it away at, like as soon as you think of it because you're like, well, obviously they thought of that before. But to me, I'm thinking about if the Bible says that all you need to be saved is to confess that Jesus is Lord and has done right. the cross for your sins, and uh, it's also saying that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Oh yeah. Then wouldn't both of those in correlation together? Wouldn't that mean that everybody will? Everybody, everyone's knee will bow and every tongue will confess, so wouldn't that mean everybody will be this saved? Is... And that's past, present, and future. Right. Dude, I'm happy to go into this if you want. I'm happy to go into <laughs> okay. this too. I'm here. Okay. I've got a LaCroix. <laughs> okay. You need another one? I'm good. I, I did okay. finish it, but I'm good. Um, well, mm, I, one of the problems that we have when we, we come to the Bible is we don't always realize that it actually has multiple theologies. Yeah. multiple ways of talking about God. Mm-hmm. We sometimes think that every single book lines up perfectly, but if you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, don't do that. Right. So you're like, there's kind of four theologies because it's written from four perspectives, yeah. right. but you and I have different perspectives of this same LaCroix can. Right. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's fine. Um, John's gospel never mentions hell ever. So if you were stranded on a desert island and you only had the gospel of John, you would never have a concept of hell. Right. right? You would have a concept of, like, annihilation. Mm. If anyone, wait, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anyone that should believe in him should not perish mm-hmm. but have eternal life. Right. But perish means annihilate yeah. in Greek. Yeah. So there's no hell. There's just like, you cease to yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodbye. But Paul never mentions hell. Except mm. maybe in the verse you just quoted, where he says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess those on the earth and under the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, what's going on there? People people in hell are going to confess the name of Jesus? Right. Yeah, because yeah. it's not just talking about current people that are still alive. That's right. So, one of my favorite atonement theories is one that's, um, it's actually the oldest, but it's the probably the least talked about. Um and it's recapitulate, 
recapitulations theory. All you can really think of is rewording. Right. Okay, so Jesus is the word. And at some point, he's going to reword everything back into what it should be. Yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. He's going to retell the story of everything so that at the end of everything, you're going to see everything fits together. Everything is going to be reworded the way that it always should have been. This is why Jesus is sometimes seen as like the new Adam or the Adam that should have been. But here's the beautiful thing. Um, So if you think about the, the Trinity like a triangle... Yeah. Okay. So, but like this, the, the top left is God the Father, top right is Holy Spirit, and the bottom one is Jesus. Imagine the bottom dropping out. Mm-hmm. And so the Trinity is now just like a, an arrow pointed up, and the, the bottom line is like dropping to the depths right. of the hell. Yeah. So in Christian theology, we've said that Jesus went to hell on the third day and he rose again he dropped to the deepest depths of all depravity and despair and hopelessness but the thing is he went so low that nobody could say that they went lower than he did Mm -hmm. that's we call that the humility and the and the humiliation of jesus but there's a reason why he went that low so that when he rose from the dead he dragged everything Mm. everyone back up Mm -hmm. into the triangle that is the trinity preach it yeah (laughs) so it's like like the trinity was undone for three days so that everything could be dragged back up Mm. into and just for the bible nerds this is actually in Colossians 1 where it says all things have been reconciled. Right. Yeah. Both things in heaven and on earth. What needs to be reconciled to God in heaven? I thought heaven's already good with God. Yeah. But like okay. Everything is already reconciled, but it seems like certain brands of Christianity love to keep pointing out be like those people over there aren't reconciled. That person yeah. isn't reconciled. Yeah. That nation over there is not reconciled. It's like, well maybe you just have to go over there and tell them that they're already reconciled. Right. Yeah. Which that's a different type of evangelism because then you're not going over trying to prove people that they're shameful and should be embarrassed oh, of their dude. own lives. Yeah. Instead, you just show up and be like, hey, did you know you're already good with God? Okay, cool. Yeah. You want to help heal the world? Great. Let's get going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is a completely different gospel, but yeah. I, all I did was just quote to you an atonement theory that's been around since um, you could say AD 90. Mm. Not the 1990s. Yeah. Not the 90s, yeah, yeah. like when John's 90s. Gospel was written, right. when Colossians was written. The OG 90s. <laughs> the OG 90s. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, like, this changes everything. Yeah, no, seriously. And that's what, um, there's like, a, there's a... But hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. How does that stir you emotionally when you heard it, the, the crucifixion, that, put that way? That totally, I mean, that coincides with what I was saying about everyone going to heaven. There's, we have to have, hold on, we have to have like a reverent silence before that question. Yeah. Because you can't ever force God to do what you think he should do. Mm. Right. All you can do is sit in silence. And I think it's Irenaeus who was like, uh, he was a disciple of a guy named Polycarp who was a disciple of John the Apostle. Okay. So it's two generations away from Jesus, right? People went up to Irenaeus and they said, Hey, does hell exist? So this question has been around for a long time. Right. And he said this. Yep. 
wink. <laughs> and he would wink! Because it's like, yeah, it exists, but it's not up to you whether or not it's full of anyone. Right. You start doing that, you're breaking the first commandment. So why is it so important to you to know who's in and who's out? Yeah. It goes back to that same question. It's like, if everybody got into heaven, would that bother you? Yeah. If hell is empty, would that, would that bother you? Yeah. It's like, oh, jeez. But if God really is love... Benji. <laughs> See, that's what I said, I said to Tommy okay. just, just the other day when we were in my room, uh, like what I was t- talking about, listening to music. I was like, I just have a hard time believing that there's a... God that is, you know, this part I do believe that there's a God that is love. Right. And he's a loving, caring God who's created us in love. Um, and he's perfectly okay with, um, like, okay, there, Paul from Mute Math that we were talking about yeah. earlier, um, he, uh, he was talking, he was talking to a, a pastor friend of his and he was saying, the pastor was saying that, um, one time somebody came up to him and was like, I, like, I've been having a lot of doubts. And yeah. uh, I want to talk to you about it. And he was like, you've been having doubts. You, like, I've, I've been having doubts. And this was right after he had heard something about um, there was, like, three women that were, like, uh, some a man had, like, been keeping them in his basement and basically just for, like, ten years straight just... Oh, God, that's was, horrible. It was in, like, Cleveland. Like, he, he was keeping these girls I think in I heard about that. And, yeah, and, like, raping them just, like, for, like, ten years straight. That's horrific. And so he was saying, like... I preach every Sunday a religion that teaches that if those three girls were to walk out free for the first day in 10 years and get hit by a truck, not knowing the word of God, they would go to hell. And he was like, so you're dealing with, with like doubts. I'm dealing with doubts. So, um, I think I like what I was saying to Tommy was that like, I have a hard time believing that there's a God that's full of love, love that made us in love and is okay with, um, somebody who's never heard it uh, or just has never been able to understand it so in turn have never been able to accept it yeah uh, and they have to pay a price it's perfectly okay with just sending them in eternity to hell yeah well we have uh, we have no idea what God might do in the last moments of somebody's life yeah like what you and I might experience this is like theory of relativity what we might experience as a second and then watching them taking their last breath the mystical Christ could show up to them, slow down time, and the two of them have a hundred-year yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. But you, to us, it passes by like a second. We yeah. watch them take their last breath, damn. and I feel like and something <laughs> is terrible. <He's> damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if we are limiting the grace of God, then you've got to ask, like, oh, you're still making yourself bigger than God. Right, yeah. You're holding on to God. It's um. There was a, last summer, I did a road trip to Kentucky, and I stayed in a monastery okay. with uh, one of my favorite authors. He lived there, and he died. Oh, you told Thomas me about Thomas Merton. Okay. Yeah. And I actually got to meet this really old monk who was, like, approaching 90, mm-hmm. who did that guy's laundry. Jeez. <laughs> like, I think you might have told me about this, too. It was pretty wild. But um, I was talking with him. I was like, so what, what's it like being here in the monastery? And he said, it's cool. And then he said that he, as a monk, still believed in hell. I was like, please say more. I want to hear more. What do you have to say? Yeah. And he said that he went and saw an old friend who left the the priesthood 
became an atheist, but really an anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. He was still believed in God, but he was an anti-Christian. Okay. And he went, and he was giving talks to all these atheist crowds, and he said, uh, essentially, damn God, and then said something close to, when you are a priest in the church, you're actually always a priest in perpetuity, forever. Even if you renounce your vows, you once called yourself a priest, you're always a priest. Right. And he says, I want to go to hell so that I can damn the name of Jesus from hell for eternity as a priest of his church. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh, that is so heavy. Yeah. Right? Now, that I was like completely, my jaw dropped when this old monk told me this story. I'm like, there are people out there that want hell. Yeah. And so it's like, well, okay, what's what's God going to do there, right, with those people? Mm. Because I kind of like C.S. Lewis's idea that God actually doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves to hell. Yeah. There's another phrase that, like, hell is locked on the inside. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I locked myself in my room because I hate myself. Yeah. And yeah. I hate everybody that's outside of this room. Yeah. Um, it's essentially the old brother right there. Yeah. Like, he locked himself outside of the party. He's like forget all this right yeah. um but there's something we have no idea that anti-christian priest could have the mystical christ show up to him and just like the apostle thomas he's going to show him his wounds yeah and he's like my lord and my god yeah, yeah yeah and complete change everything so the world does not fit into easy cut and dry rules there are people that seem like they want hell but you know what when you meet love incarnate and you find out that love incarnate is infinite for you Mm -hmm. and not against you man how can you not say yes to a god that just like everything you've ever done doesn't bother me so that guy I know you don't. You didn't know the anti. You the just anti Christian yeah. priest. Yeah. Okay. So I know you. You only heard that secondhand. Yeah. But do you know what? Like that. That and I've heard of people who are considered anti Christian before who believe aren't atheists. Yeah, yeah. But so does he? Um, does he believe everything in the Bible is true, and then he wants to go against that? Or well, here's here's my theory. He's probably rejecting the Christianity that he had when he was ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he never really allowed his Christianity to evolve yeah. or blossom or grow or mature yeah. Yeah. because a mature Christianity can handle mystery Yeah, immature Christianity can't handle mystery and paradox and so then it makes it very rigid and it, it, it makes it like uncomfortable yeah but it, a small and rigid Christianity also laments when somebody else leaves that. They're like, oh, they have lost the true faith. It's yeah. like, no, actually, they just... They just asked a question. Well, just gotta... it's the butterfly again. It's like, oh, they're no longer a caterpillar. Yeah. It's like, they're a butterfly. You're supposed to be a butterfly right. too. Yeah. yeah. You're the one that's choosing yeah. to still be a they caterpillar. Just, they just got to the next rung of the ladder. Yeah, so that's... And that's part of like what we said before is like, when Christianity is made into a state of being, mm-hmm. rather than seeing like, I think, did you use like a launch pad at one point? You, but it's like oh, it's supposed uh, to launch you. When I said the roots. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many better 
metaphors for it, but the, the real unfortunate one is we don't really have a definition of what makes for a mature Christian. So like you and I didn't experience it because we went to public school. Right. Right. But there are some people that think a mature Christian is somebody who goes to five Bible studies a week. Oh, of course. Whereas maybe the mature Christian is the one that goes out and lives in the world and loves people and heals them. Yeah. Because it sounds pious to go to five Bible studies a week, but actually you're avoiding the good work you should be yeah, doing yeah. Mm-hmm. in the world Yeah. if you really were mature. You're staying but you're afraid of being that person yeah. so instead you go to five Bible studies a week it's that complacency it's that safety net but it, it's like sneaky you don't realize that it's a safety net yeah. and it, it like okay. reinforces yeah, your own yeah, yeah, ego yeah, yeah, about yeah. like I'm yeah. a good Christian I go to five Bible studies a week it's like yeah, yeah but your neighbor thinks you're a jerk yeah that's a good <laughs> on your way to on your way to going to Bible study every week you uh, you flip them off on your way to your car <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer somebody once asked him if he was a Christian this is a guy that worked against Hitler, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his br- his answer was brilliant. I think Kierkegaard said it too. Somebody asked them, are you a Christian? And they replied, only my neighbor can tell you that. Mm. I can't tell you if I'm a Christian. Right. But my neighbor can tell you if I am one. Yeah. Because I love them. Yeah. And if they don't experience me loving them, then I'm not a Christian. They also see me in my truest form when no one else is around. You know, like it's true. Yeah, in your house. But alone. It, it's almost like you, how you're not. How do you al- look at your neighbors, Tommy? <laughs> you're not allowed to call yourself a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like that's a title only other people can say about you. Yeah, that's really fascinating yeah. to me. That's like mm-hmm. when somebody that sometimes when people when people find out that I'm a musician, they'll be like, oh, "Are you are you good?" Like, really? Yeah, like, oh, is your music any good? Sure, I'm like, good. I ask the people that have listened to my music, like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, my music is the bomb, man. You got to check it out. <laughs> like, I'm going to be like, I don't, it, it talk, come to a show or like ask somebody that yeah, has listened to our music and ask them if, you know, or listen for yourself and decide mm-hmm. if you think it's good. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I agree with that. This is fun. Yeah. Are you good? Dude, I'm good. It's eight thirteen on the clock. Let's see. Let's see on Apple Time. Eight thirteen. All right. That was jeez. We can do it again. We Damn. should do it again though. When, when Josh is out dude. this way from dude, from I told Montana. Josh that I was gonna be doing this soon with you, and he was like, uh, like I think it was before you went there, yeah. and he was like, oh, dude, I would love to do that, and I'm like, yeah, well, you're in Montana, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you loved hearing that. No, yeah. You, well, when, yeah, but then he sends us these pictures of like beautiful mountain ranges. Yeah. He's living the life, fishing on a river. Yeah. So, and Tom, well, you just came from there. No, but now I, I get it. I, now I know why he's not coming back to Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Give it a closing comment. What would you say? Wrap it all up. We have to come up with a title for this, too. Oh, dang. Uh, I'm really bad at picking titles. Tommy, Noah, and John. Bike. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bike in his living room, guys. That's why I said that. There, there is. <laughs> Also, life is a beach because there's a sign well, in his living room that says that. The Lord is my shell. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is my shell. <laughs> I'll explain that. I'll explain that when the that, that, Yeah. That makes sense if you were paying attention earlier. <laughs> All right. Have fun. Thank you. Cool.